I'm good. And Jane, are you there? Can you hear me? Are you, can you speak? Yep, I can hear you. How are you, Jennifer? Hello, ladies. Good to Hi. connect with you again. Yeah, likewise. Jane, yep. I have to ask before we get started, did you ever go to the Magic Castle? Fully, fully <laughs> I just booked it this morning. Oh, yeah! <laughs> um, Jane, this is still one of my favorite places. I mean, is is it still formal? Are they going to make you dress up? Do they yep. ask for jackets? Still formal. Yep. Okay, so you have to go as my eyes and ears, and I promise we'll get started. We're just giving everybody a chance to join. Um, it might be a weird joining of people because of the the day. We don't usually do Mondays. But, Jane, you have to go as my eyes and ears. Okay. Knowing what we know about the world. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. ritual stuff. Yep. Symbolism. I'm like, yeah, I must have that had crossed my mind. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is going to be loaded it with it from what I remember. So just, you know, numerology, um, yep. at like, you know, I don't know if there's like magician shields or, you know, I'm just trying to think or, you know, the repetition of words, pay attention to chants, any yep. kind of music, harmonic, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they, they take, this is one of my favorite places, but you know, they do it so well that I'm like, this would be a perfect place to do things you're not supposed to right yeah. here. In, you know what I mean? Because you're right there off a... Uh, right in know, the middle of it, right off of Hollywood. Yeah. Right, Hollywood Boulevard. You're like stone's throw from Grauman. So you're, you're or the, yeah. the Kodak Theater. So you're, it's, yeah. So you're just totally right there. I have to know, you know, now that we know what we know about the world, just go and let me know. Yes. <laughs> oh gosh, how exciting. Well, hopefully you'll have a night of fun oh, cool. dinner and laughter because that's what I remember, you know, yeah. about the Magic Castle. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, great. Oh, yay. That makes my day knowing you're going. Well, ladies, listen, I don't want to waste anyone's time. Um, I guess, you know, we got about 20 people in town, but we will record this and get this up on Podbean. I just went along with Suzanne's timing and availability because I wanted to make sure we could at least connect and talk about this. Um, and before I, you know, hand over the floor, one of the things, the biggest challenges of, of getting people, you know, to act on what we talk about is this feeling of, uh, you know, it, it's not going to change anything. It's hopeless. This doesn't work. So, so just to, you know, start off solution based and getting everybody feeling inspired. What can we say to this? Um, well, I mean, it depends. I think, I think it's empowering to find out what's going on both nationally and locally. I started out uh, looking at the national picture back in December 2021 when UK Citizen, as it is now, was set up. But sort of towards the end of last year, you know, you start to think, well, it's all very well looking at what's happening nationally. And we were writing to MPs, but what's happening on my doorstep, you know, and what can I what what can I do to, to find out what's going on? And if I don't like it, how do I? make my voice heard and I think it's that it's when people don't feel that they have a voice that 
you know, that's, oh, there's no point, and, you know, that negative cycle sets in, whereas I've always been about, well, if I can't, if I, if I, if I feel like that, then I have to go and do something in the hope that, you know, that, that we'll be able to effect change. And I think we are making progress. You know, we have a great group on our signal network of people who are going to the local councils, for example. Uh, every council, bar the City of London, um, or the majority of the councils, have all declared a climate emergency, which means big books for lots of companies um, and probably the implementation of you know, control for, you know, people on the ground, you know, Joe Public. Um, I can't remember where I was going with that. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just think, you know, it, it's great to have, yeah, that's what I was saying, the Signal Group. You know, we all, it's, it's interesting to find out what's happening across the country, and I think that's the beauty of UK Citizen. It's not just what's happening here in Leeds or, you know, or one of the local towns or cities, but actually, you know, we've connected with people across the country Thetford, Torbay, Wales, Scotland, you know, it's just so empowering to know what we should be looking for because it's it's not easy to find information on council websites or to get involved, but actually, you know, you can get a bit of a clue by what somebody else finds out. So I just, I, if I, you know, I just love UK Citizen because it is so empowering and I just like to know what's going on. I'm just nosy. Um, <laughs> I think there are, I mean, that's kind of at the local level. UK citizens also look, you know, internationally, globally, and, you know, the, the World Health Organization's a big focus for us at the moment, both the international health regulations and um, the, the, let's just call it the treaty, the WHO CA plus, let's just call it the treaty. And um, I, I know there's often a lot of criticism about um, M MP letters and it, you're wasting your time, but I want to be really clear that, um, we probably know more than most groups that often the, those letters do get ignored. I, I mean, I'm completely ignored by my MP, Rebecca Powell, now. Um, but, but writing of the letters has is, is got more than one purpose. It, 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 it is about um, empowering the people and also educating the people. So these letters that we do are, are often quite um, a succinct way of getting over a lot of information. You know, most people aren't going to go and sit and read the international health regulations from cover to cover um or the world health organization treaty so you can get a lot of information across and what we don't know is if that sparks a, you know lights a fire in somebody to go and do something else so it's it's not just about it is obviously about letting our mps know that we know what's going on but it is again about empowering people and and, and on the point of not kind of not making progress we We've been going on about the World Health Organization for, for well over well over a year. And um, recently we have had MP and we monitor our we monitor the responses back. And yeah, you get your standards responses and you'll get a mix of standard and some of their own opinions, but occasionally you get somebody that's clearly on side. And that was evidence from the the debate uh, that happened recently. Um, and we, we took a transcript, we read the transcript of Hansard, and you know, there was MPs in there that's certainly on our side. That wouldn't necessarily have been even, you know, six months ago, um, and more recently, you know, that number's gone from five to eight. There's been, you know, articles in mainstream media about the concerns. So, I'm, I'm not saying it's a direct result of our letters, but we don't know. So, you know, for me, what's what, what's the alternative? And letter writing is not the only thing that we do, but what 
what is the alternative? Just sit back and, and do nothing. I think the key is, and we talk about it all the time at UKC, is that how do we get the information beyond the freedom, truth as space? I think that's a big problem, and that's a that's a focus for us at the moment. How do we how do we do that? Because we we absolutely think we should be leaving the who, but to do that we need um, much more of the grassroots support. And I think if we could make people aware of what was going on, uh, we'd have more support. One of the ways that we're we're thinking of doing that, and we're about to create flyers and kind of get this information out there, is to focus very closely on on the funding of the WHO, which, you know, is, is insane. Um, and if people realise that, you know, the government's sending literally hundreds of millions to the WHO, um, and in one instance, you know, the UK is it's like the third largest contributor, um, and the, the funding split up to different, lots of different kinds of funding, assessed funding, voluntary funding, there's about five different buckets. But on, on one of those measures, um, the UK gave 135 million and the next country I think was Sweden at 39 million. Well, well, what are the people of uh, the UK getting for that extra 100 million? Nothing. Um, and it's handed over to an organisation that's unelected, unaccountable. And we have no say about where that money's spent. And that's that's not understood. Uh, there's no transparency there, e even though, you know, the whole process is supposed to be completely transparent. It's not. So we're having a, trying to have a big focus on Funding, you know, for example, how many people would know that the average salary for somebody working within the WHO is eighty thousand dollars? I mean, that's far beyond the vast majority of people earning power in the UK. Um, so it's it's trying to find um, what we think people will engage with, and we we think that that funding piece is critical, especially at the moment when you know that. The cost of living is is increasing at such an alarming rate. Do you find that people are hesitant to speak about the topic because they feel like, you know, to speak out against it would, you know, is automatically conspiracy or anything, you know, the whispers behind closed doors? Because I well, I think I, I I don't think many people will will know either here in the US or at home that there is a meeting on now as we speak in Geneva considering the latest draft of the treaty people but you know that, that I think that's something within the freedom space I don't think your average person has any idea that it exists it's not it's not on mainstream media so how would they and that's a problem so I don't know about people within the freedom space, whether they you, do you mean like the politicians feeling uh, worried about speaking out or just people within our our freedom space? Being well, I just, I, you know, I, it was interesting. Recently, I had a production crew come over from the UK and mm -hmm. they were for this documentary series that's so bizarre. Um, but, you know, in speaking to them, they wanted to know my thoughts on Stanley Johnson, for example. And then I... Yeah. No, I, I gave them my, you know, two second sound bite. you know, just, he was always friendly to me, but you know, like blah, blah, blah. And then I said, but you know, there is a lot of whispers right now. Uh, and it's really hard to keep looking away when he's standing there with a bunch of Extinction Rebellion red 
coded satanic looking figures and they were like oh yeah everyone's talking about that oh the eugenics you know and i'm like yes so so follow that you know follow like you know do you do you what do you know about globalism have you been following the you know the fact that there is this who treaty and I find that some are open to discussing it, but most people don't want to go there because they think it's some kind of political craziness, you know, extremists, you know, speaking out, um, you know, about things, you know, that, you know, like NATO, for example, NATO's kept us out of war for 70 years. I'm like, what? Really? That's yeah. what you think? You yeah. Know what I mean? So I'm wondering if we can present on the World Health Organization and, you know, in these treaties and these kind of things, do people just automatically assume this is extremist rhetoric? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's, I think particularly the letters, Jane's researched the letters so well and they're so, you, you can't argue, I think in a lot of ways this is easier than anything else that's gone, you know, things that have gone before in the last couple of two or three years, but because you can't argue with it it's happening there's just no there's just no argument really at all people think that they just don't have a, a chance to you know like well what can we do to change it oh i mean it's it's so expensive jennifer i mean even you know it's it's like and it's by design sometimes when i'm doing my research i have to before you know it you're like 10 links away from where you started you got to stop yourself and go hang on a minute what 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 was what was i trying to find out i mean the the it's it is like web and it can just get too too much people you know the link between the, the who and the un um you know the the the, the, the un united, united nations compact's got something like i don't know 24000 organizations signed up to it i mean it it's vast and it's all interlinked and now this world health treaty is linked to one health which is linked to the quadripartite organization which links back mm -hmm. to the US. but i think that that side of it is just so difficult to get a handle on but as i said by design which is why we have to kind of somehow make it smaller so i the question i'm asking i don't that don't get that i've not come across anybody who's um has said it's conspiratorial. Um, I've just come across people who've got no clue it's in existence. Mm -hmm. um, and that's exactly. a big um, and, and we focus, I mean, I, you know, I'm here in, in Los Angeles and, you know, anecdotally, uh, uh, other than James, who lives down the road from me, Ruguski, uh, he's talked to people that have no clue. Um, I mean, I've even met people who don't know who, what, who the World Health Organization is. So it's really easy because we're living and breathing this, or probably all of us on this call, to think that every, everybody gets it, but they, they don't. It's why we're thinking of doing um, the equivalent on the World Health Organization that we did on going local, because there's so much information there and just trying to get to the essence of it. But even then, it's how do we get that information outside of the freedom truth seeker space? Because that's ultimately what we're going to need to do. We're going to need... I mean, we don't need we don't need fifty percent, but we certainly need probably I don't know fifteen twenty percent of the people to get behind us. And I, and I think if you can get if you can get one country to re, like the first thing is if we could reject if the U.S. and the U.K. could reject the amendments that we've got through till no, this is on the tree uh, um, on the IHR 
but we've got through till November to reject. If we could achieve that, that's like a, a stepping stone, I think, on the way to pulling out completely because it kind of derails their process. It sets a precedent for these next 307 amendments that, you know, if the amendment that we're voting in November doesn't go through, you know, we'll have 18 months to reject them. If it does, we'll have 10. But it, we just need to find those small stepping stones to get to our end goal. Um, yeah, so I'm more concerned about um, getting the message out beyond the freedom space than I am people being saying we're conspiratorial. I think more people, Jennifer, know about Stanley Johnson than they do about the pandemic treaty is the reality. Yeah, well, I felt like that was an easy way in to kind of talk mm. about some of this stuff. And that was something they were already interested in. I mean, what we found, Jennifer, I think, is that I think the advantage we've got now is it's, it's just how, how do we get this information across? The advantage we've got now is that it's not conspiratorial because actually we can point you to two documents. The International Health Regulations 2005 with the amendments, the 307 amendments, we can show you, you can see them in there. And there are other amendments and they're not all going to go through anyway. Some, some, for example, you might have five amendments to one article. They're just a version of the same thing. And then we can also show people the actual treaty these are these are documents that you can you can actually read and i think that helps it it's kind of similar to the going local is that in our going local pack when people kind of said to us well you know you're conspiratorial we said well have you looked at the uh, c40 document have you looked at living in a 1.5 degree world so the absolute zero on because in there what we're saying is putting black and white you know three airports by 2030 no airports by 2050 three items of clothing per year per person it's all in there um so we've got that we've got that now and admittedly when you read the treaty if you're inclined to do so it perhaps doesn't seem quite as bad if you on the face of it, if you don't understand the context, but it's very easy to educate people on that. In fact, we're thinking about doing that, taking the agreement and then under every clause, kind of writing what it really means <laughs> and cross-referencing to other organisations and in documents. Um, so that's, I think, our, our, our goal. And if we can build the numbers, then I think we can affect change. So now with this... Uh treaty going on right now the big urgency is to get the message out correct yeah 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 i mean i think you know one of the things we looked at on this treaty is um it, the document kept referring to relevant stakeholders lowercase I, i've got a legal background so i was like well this should be defined right at the very front of the document it wasn't so we did some digging and there was this is a subject of our latest letter, and there's you know 404 stakeholders there supposed to represent a broad engagement. And on the face of it, you think, oh well, that looks pretty good, 404. When you look, it's over 90% have got a direct or indirect link to the United Nations. The World Health Organization is a United Nations specialized agency, so you know that's hardly the broad engagement that the person on the street would expect. But of course, the person on the street doesn't know it exists in the first place. So yeah, absolutely, it's. We've been thinking a lot, Jennifer, about how do we get out to the people, um, and you know, it's we've come up with flat things like that. We we did a I don't know how long ago it was, Suzanne, but we did quite an impactful flyer for continuing to use cash. We kind of recreated a twenty pound note, just dropped them on the yeah, floor. That was the tail end of last year. That was yeah. good. We've still got those. 
Yeah, and then when you opened it, you know, they did look. I mean, we had to be very careful because you can get into trouble for, you know, creating one that's too close to the real deal. But as you're walking by, it did look like a twenty pound note. People would pick it up, and when and actually when they unfolded it, it had a load of information about these. So it's kind of we've got to come up with ways of, you know, getting to people. A laser show, a laser show on the side of Parliament would be wonderful. Yeah. It would indeed. And I think I think it's the funding that is the way that we make people realise because, you know, like you've said, Jane, the cost of living crisis, I think people just knew that the, the amounts are eye-watering. And I think it's important as well. We, we talk about billions and now we're on to trillions. What does that even mean? That just, what does that, you know, what does that equate to really in reality? Yeah. And I mean, I think if knew even if people kind of bought in that they thought fundamentally the world health and our organization is a good thing which we we obviously don't we don't think that but in 22 the, the total uh who expenses were three 3.848 billion only 13 percent of that was the 500 million dollars was actually spent on medical supplies and materials so 87 percent of the budget wasn't spent on anything to do with, okay. I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to say health, because it's medicine, they're two different things. But it, it's going into the, you know, the infrastructure. I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people employed. And then the other thing I realised is that a um, significant number of these, um, if, you, if you consider a specialised agency of the WHO, you, you benefit from a convention on privileges and immunities. So a lot of these people aren't even paying tax. They're protected from prosecution. They've got, you know, all. So I think if we can get that across to people, like, you know, um, you've got your, you're already getting your eighty grand, and you know, some of them won't be paying tax on it. So I think we've got to focus. But even though we know where we've got to focus, we still have got to get the message beyond the kind of people that are on this call. Because I'm assuming most people on this call and the other groups that we talk to already get it. Mm. Um, I think also it's it's that thing. I can't remember who said Suzanne, but somebody said to us about uh, everybody like the old chain chain mails that you used to do. Like yeah. if ends what like for example, if everybody got our letter seventeen or anything, something that James Raguskis do it doesn't have to be us. Anything in this arena, and sends it on to three people that they think are not going to be aware. Of, does that? Maybe that's another way of getting beyond. Our own. Yeah, which I think, I mean, I, I I always read, send the letters to people that I know, um, you know, and I think it, they've just been really useful to for, for educating myself as well, you know, and, and other people, friends and family um, on what actually is implicate, you know, what the implications are. And, you know, and it's funny, isn't it, that people who read the papers, these things never appear in the mainstream press, do they? It, or it might be a tiny, oh, they're just meeting again in Geneva. Just a tiny little snippet. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, it was like, yeah, I, I happened to have BBC Worldwide, which I try and avoid at all costs, but my husband insists on having it on. It was on last night, and so I saw the little bit in there about the uh, the light paper, which was absolutely, absolutely terrible, and we suspected that Mariana was, you know, trying to infiltrate some of the groups. She's tried with one of ours and obviously presented the groups inaccurately. But I'm sitting there watching that. I'm like, here she is talking to him. And actually, today is the first day of a discussion on a document that, if passes, will fundamentally change the lives of every single person living on the planet. Mm. Yeah. It's not 
it's just it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Go check out that disinformation, Mariana. Yeah. <laughs> mm. No, maybe we should write to her. It's very difficult for her to argue it's disinformation because you can now see it in you can see it. In, in... Yeah, and I think that's a great idea. I think this, we should. Uh, this draft of the second June is. Um, They've shown their hand more so than ever before, I have to say. I think a lot of people um would read that and they would think, Oh, okay, this does this doesn't this doesn't sound this doesn't sound quite right. So for example, you know, this this they want this all done and dusted by May and they have a clause in there that allows it to be enforced provisionally while a nation considers whether it really should be enforced. I think people would also go, Oh well, hang on a minute, this isn't just about pandemics. This says very, very clearly when you look at it with the international health regulations, but you've got to combine them. They're intended to be compatible and complementary. But um, if you look at the treaty, it states very clearly that this isn't just about pandemics. This exists, this is relevant when there isn't a pandemic. I think if people looked and saw that uh, what One Health means is actually it's not just covering humans, it's covering animals and the environment. So you're giving the World Health Organization control over a every living organism on the planet so I, I think if people read it they would they would kind of go it's not right in a way that perhaps they wouldn't have done with a zero draft mm. one of the things we were thinking of doing Jennifer which I've started but I haven't finished there was a guy who was he to manage the hand start at the, the debate that absolutely enraged <laughs> I can't remember now. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. He was horrible, wasn't he? Oh, he just—he just clearly hadn't read it. And so Suzanne was a school teacher. So what we were thinking, we got the transcript of Hansard, and I've started marking it up as if I was a school teacher, like you know, putting comments in red. So it's just a different way of trying to engage people. But that is the big challenge, Jennifer. It's getting, it's getting just, I've said it so many times on this call, getting beyond the people that already know, because we, we need, mm. that, we need numbers. Yeah. 100%. So if you've got any ideas, anybody? <laughs> what do you think the most pressing issue of all of this is? this treaty yeah i think so well we just because there was a there's a few crazy things happened this, this morning or happened today with like the public order bill at home and the human rights bill and they're important but but for me if this for me if this passes this is this is the like this is the foundation this is the foundation of the, of the one world government because the the reach of the of the world health organization and the and the un is just so vast um and we know that you know that so, you know, like Garvey and um, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation combined, I think it was in 2022, were the largest contributors to the World Health Organization. And they, they, with their funding, it's not like it's not like when a member gives gives money. When I say gives money, they're, they're told to, you know, the, the UN and the World Health Organization determine how much they have to, quote unquote, contribute. And, and when when member states do that, the World Health Organization can use that funding as they see fit. Not so when Garvey and Seppi and Bill and Linda Gates are um, mm. contributing. They can direct where that funding goes. And if you if you were to if you were to go through the stakeholders and pull out uh, the stakeholders, 
with this treaty and pull out, go through the 404 and pull out all the ones that focus are, focuses on um, vaccinations. UNICEF is one, for example. I mean, lots of people think UNICEF's just brilliant. It's the kids, but actually it's not. If you pulled all of those out and then drilled down at the funding, uh, you would see that it makes up a big percentage of the funding that it's getting. So you can see the direction of travel. So, you know, personally, I think we've got, we absolutely have to defeat, defeat this. Yeah. One of the letters, I can't remember which one it was, but we, we talk about how it's, it's purposely just building a massive bureaucracy around this. So it's got to be self-perpetuating in order to justify the existence of this big bureaucracy. So, and if you think that, the uh, international health regulations it's only it's only now about pathogens that have got the potential to cause a pandemic and then and then if the treaty goes through one health means that you're looking at you know everything animals environment people i mean you can go to some i don't know canal in los angeles and find something that might have the potential and before you know it you know it's everything's shut down again very very dangerous um so, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's even things to, with the One Health. I mean, it could even, they could make something up. Was Did I see something the other day about cats? And, you know, they could make anything. You know, what? it's just, you know, there's, there's a problem with something in Leeds, you know, oh, let's shut down Leeds. I mean, that seems to be the potential for what this, this, this could actually mean. And I, I thought, I think the... the um... Just, our government's just not, <laughs> just not making sense to state the obvious, but... Um, the one of the one of the petitions that's still out there, I think it was Tess, Tess Lowry's petition about um, the international health regulations. Re they responded to it, um, and it, the, the petition's been slightly changed now, which I'd encourage people to sign because that is about rejecting the amendments from last year. But the government's response was illuminating because it says that we're not giving away sovereignty. That's the government position, but in their response to that petition, they they, they said that it's a bit that it will be legally binding well they don't have it both ways have it both ways if you've got an international treaty that's legally binding then by definition some of your sovereignty or all of your sovereignty so i i for me so many things isn't the general. i mean obviously the central bank digital currencies that's not great um but and you know catherine austin fitz talks about this you know digital digital prison and um she she talks about it as like um the four four fences if you like and um uh she actually talked about the fourth fence being if central bank digital currencies are put in place and that fourth fence comes down and then you're trapped i see one of the fences as this treaty i'm not sure what she thinks of the other two but what i'm saying is there's there's a few big things and obviously digital id she's pro probably one of the fences is digital ids but digital id central bank digital currency um this um they're all important and that, that's the point they all they all um interconnect to ultimately trap us um but for me personally i think this is this is just absolutely critical that we stop this yeah and i think in stopping it people will realize the path that the government and the country is on and other things will fall away. I do think that this is the one of the key points that if we can get, like you've said before, Jane, you know, out of the freedom space and into the general public arena, I think then that's a game changer.
there appears to be uh, no way out. And like you said, it's like they're, you know, this kind of trapping across all sectors. And, you know, it's, even if you kind of push back on one, it's almost like they have, you know, because of all this incestuous interconnect, you know, interconnectivity. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, though, if, you know, because this, as we continue, you know, to, to see their hand expose themselves, it, it, at what point does it start spiraling where people start really taking wind of it? And I guess that's where we're kind of at that plateau of next explosion of, you know, emotion. And I, it's interesting. They keep us distracted and placated on any number of trivial matters as a way to just kind of deflect, you know, this from what's going on. But at some point it, it, it will hit home. You know, if, is that a cyber, you know, outage, a cyber attack, the, the grid outage, is this that financial, you know, collapse? Yeah. Um, what I love about what you're doing is that this creates the paper trail, the precedent, the, you know, this kind of long, long range lens that lets us look back and say, no, no, there were those of us on the ground the entire time, you know, pushing back. This wasn't new. This wasn't, you know, unprecedented. This wasn't novel. We were speaking about this. And that in itself helps to wake up others, you know, as this gains more and more momentum because what I find when I speak to normies and like I said I've done my fair bit on both sides recently you know most don't understand the threat of globalism they don't understand how our governments work hell they don't even understand how the economy works mm -hmm. you know you know like there's I, I just I'm flabbergasted as some of some of the biggest mouths in this space just so you know I I, and, and rather than shaming everyone, you know, it's, that's not what this is about. It's like we really do have to go through the motions. So when people bang their head against the wall, you know, these emails don't work. This isn't making a difference. But this is the motion to which it makes this work, right? Every cog, every, you know, push forward, every discussion, even this one, including, you know, the discussion of how do we continue to spread the word. I mean, I'm wondering, is this not more and more, some, you know, we need somebody talking. Obviously, you need the bigger audiences to get across you know, the pod, podcast circuits um, and speaking out publicly about this. I mean, I did a bit in my interview. <laughs> Let's see if it makes it in the documentary. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I did find that there was a curiosity and an awareness, even in, in its you know, incipient stage, there was that seed planted that, you know, just suppose, you know, that this government you're talking about is infiltrated by this kind of dark shadow or, you know, because I spoke quite openly about this. You know, I, 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 I cannot express enough how 
candid I was with this, you know, this end, this kind of uh, funneling of conveyor belt of, of politicians going into government worldwide, all connected to these global leaders in the same few organizations, right? And then they get primed and groomed and sent on their merry way and made leaders, um, you know, many of which are just actors and showmen. You know what I mean? So it's, we're dealing with show people. We are not dealing with, you know, the, you know, these criminals in charge, masterminds. It is the people behind them who, you know, unwillingly use, like we were saying earlier, these four pillars to kind of entrap people. So it's almost like revealing that invisible enemy. You know, this is the process to which we all have to undertake. It's, it's exhausting and emotionally, you know, draining but i think this we are ripening as a society where openly talking about you know this kind of infiltration the you know the overlords that do control these world governments meeting every you know so so few months there's time to start questioning that um yeah. i think you know when we have these one-on-ones with the MPs, uh, you know, it's very, it's very enlightening and, and to hear what they say and how they can bring this about. For example, have you reached out to or spoken to Andrew Bridges? Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, but you make a good point there, Jennifer, which I forgot because one of our UKC, uh, in fact, I think two have actually off the back of, probably not the last letter, but one of them has been offered a, a meeting with their MP. So that's that's what I say. That's what I'm saying. Even you know, to to go from four that were speaking out to eight. I know it's not many out of 650, but what we're trying to do with with those eight is, we we try to make sure that our letters um, don't just we we send them to them separately and say, look, you know, I want you to be aware that, of this, and we, you know, we're grateful that you're speaking out, and just trying to let them know that they have they have got support. I, I do think that. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, at, you know, I'm not at home. I'm not in England. I'm here in Los Angeles. But um, my sense is from everybody that's there that the 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 distrust of the government is increasing, which works in our favour. I think and, as well. I think as well. You know, I think back to before three years ago. I don't know. You know, I, I was just going along my merry way, minding my own business, and you kind of knew. You know, my. I, I've spoken to my mum about this, you know, and she's kind of, well, it's always been like that, you know, it's been, and my dad will always say, you can't fight the town hall, he always tells me that. So people have known for a long, long time that things go on, but, you know, they're not affected, so therefore, well, you know, just live and let live. And I think, I think about that a lot because now I think it's so obvious that things are not right and that the government isn't operating in the way that it should do. It doesn't work for the people, neither does the councils. And people are starting to realise, I think a lot of people are starting to realise that things really aren't right yeah. at all. Suzanne and I did say we were, we were doing a Zoom with, I think it was a kind of a group grassroots meeting in ethics, and somebody oh, yeah. asked us, why, why, do, why, do we, why do we do this? I mean, Suzanne and I pretty much do this. Uh, full time, and uh, there were several reasons, you know, kids, vaccines, etc. But one of the reasons that I do it is because this happened on, you know, my watch. Uh, we, we, most of us have never challenged. We just I'm the same, Suzanne. I'm from a work family in Middlesbrough. You know, I, I became a solicitor. My brother went to Oxford. The system seemingly worked for us. They didn't really think much about it. But actually, 
we've never never challenged it. We've let these lo MPs and local councillors just get on and do whatever they want without challenging yeah. them now. And we know from, I mean, we're switching here from the WHO to like the, the well, we're not the climate crisis, quote unquote. Actually, it's not a switch. They're all, they're all, they're all. They're all interlinked. Agenda is right through all of these you know, treaty and the regulations, but we know from Suzanne and a few others actually going into those meetings that most of the well, a significant number of those councillors have got no idea about net zero. They're running a council and they didn't even know of the existence of absolute zero and living in a 1.5 degree world. They, they just didn't know they existed. And they certainly didn't know that the government was indirectly funding both of those documents. I bet if we went, I bet if we went to those councils, I mean, UK, UK citizens focus at the council level has been on net zero. But I bet if we went to those councils and had, uh, most of them wouldn't have a clue about the treaty or the regulations. So it's not, it's not that everybody, it's not that all of these um, councillors, and, and I'll even go as far as, it, as the MPs are like these, you know, nefarious people who were all part of the globalist agenda. The reality is most of them wouldn't survive in the globalist agenda. They're not going to get a seat at the table, uh, but they, they also don't know. And, not, and nor did I. It's not like, you know, I had no clue about this until, you know, I started researching it all three years ago. So I do think, and we talk about this awakening, I do, I do think that it's happening. My concern is that May 2024, the Bureau for the International Health Regulations and the Bureau for the um, World, uh, the Treaty, they want to have their respective documents at the World Health Assembly in May with a view to voting on it. That's not a lot of time. So we, that, that's the question to me. We just need to make more people aware and more people push back and more people. We, if we could replicate what's going on at Leeds and we, we work with some people in Bay, and then there's the Thetford group. You know, there's some really um, positive things happening at the local level. If we could replicate that across every council and across climate crisis, the World Health Organization treaty and the regulations, and then, you know, the finance piece, the central bank digital currencies, then we'd start seeing change, I think. But we don't have the numbers for that at the moment. You know, this, I, to add to this, you know, these points we're making, I think there's another point of trauma. Um, I've noticed so many people just so grateful or excited, you know, like London Tech Week, for example, going on in London uh, the past week. And so, you know, this is like an anniversary of 10 years from when it started. So it was a big deal. And of course, you know, I, I'm sitting there looking at everybody and, and, and it's this celebration of being back in the room together in, you know, uniting, uh, you know, the kinships and friendships, et cetera. But the tech, you know, this, this, this whole go tech has completely changed in the last few years. And for me, it's this, people are so traumatized by what's happened. They're so like, you know, it, it is, let's not talk about COVID or let's not go into the vaccines, you know, like it's over, it's done. Let's just focus on going forward again and, you know, pick up the celebrations from where we left. Um, I couldn't imagine being able to hold a, you know, <laughs> you know, the world, one world government panel, let's say, at, you know, London Tech Week, because everyone would roll their eyes and walk out or think I was taking the piss or having some kind of laugh. 
you know, when really, no, this, this is, this is an actual very serious conversation. Um, because this whole, this whole treaty and, and the change, the international health regulations that have been around since 2005, their justification is COVID. So, it, it, you know, it's, it's important that we kind of, understand that that's why they're they're using what happened with covid um and the havoc it played on the on the world you know by not the not not the government policy caused the, the virus did as a justification for all of these all of these changes and uh, people certainly don't appreciate that yeah exploiting trauma i mean I, I can't even bring it up with certain people because they just don't want to go there yeah. they don't here, I mean, they know I sit in a very different place, but then, you know, we are seeing people start to ask questions and now they're making jokes about themselves being a conspiracy theorist when I'm not laughing. I mean, this isn't conspiracy at all. You know, welcome to the table. Let's go. Um, I don't know. It, and I appreciate so much, ladies, what you do and the time you take and the templates you make and, you know, where you bring the links in and you put them in a beautiful documents for easy, you know, to follow instructions. Thank you so much. I just want to make sure I say that, you know, at some point. In the call. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank I do, you. I do, wonder if, um, I do wonder if one of the ways that we can, um, we can, uh, catch the hearts and minds of people is if just to focus on the pets <laughs> because i know yeah. dogs. Well, and you know these animals can be um used as well i mean you know it's not like we haven't seen the culling of animals before this would allow more of that you know can you imagine what people would think if there's somebody told they no longer can have their dog <laughs> so I, I, yeah i think that that is a good way a good way in Actually, because that is just such an appalling thought, isn't it? Or you can't have your cat or your dog or your rabbit. That's one of the staples then? They're, they're taking away home pets? Well, yeah, they could do, Jennifer, because they, through, through this One Health, it's, it means that their remit, it doesn't, their remit covers all of time. So you don't have to be in a pandemic. It covers the period in between pandemics. So they're obviously anticipating them fairly regularly, but, um, and it covers animals as well. So we've already seen, you know, with bird flu and we've seen various cullings of various animals. This would just, you know, legitimize. Just widen it, wouldn't it? They've, they've been setting this up for years and years, you know, with the, uh, remember when they burnt all the, the, the um, cows? You know, it, it's been there, there have been pockets incidents over the years where you can see, well, that's just setting people up for, you know, this might happen. And, and you're absolutely right. The One Health, you know, you, suddenly there's a problem with cats in the Warwickshire area. Everybody's got to have their cat. I'll tell you what the it, definition of One Health is from the World Health Organization website. One Health unifying approach that aims to sustainably balance and optimize the health of people animals and ecosystems and it's to achieve global health security but you know there'll be vaccinations of animals mandatory vaccination of animals there could be so you know just kind of thinking how to reach people people love their pets and so you know we thought that with the vaccines you know it, it, it was all going to blow up when they came for the kids uh, he didn't really, but I do think the pets is another angle that we haven't explored, but we possibly should. We also think that maybe we should start using 
more more use of visuals, which which I'm rubbish at. But um, I do think that is possibly an angle as the budget, the finance piece, and then the fact that they could be coming after your pets and your chickens, you know. I mean, so it's a possibility, definitely. But that's where, Jennifer, if I take the time to go through the agreement and just put a paragraph under those clauses about what, what they really mean, it might, help, it might help people to understand it. Did you, okay, just to circle back to Andrew, is he on board to help promote well, He's one of he is one of the eight that have obviously already spoken out about it. I um, when I say I'm in contact with him, and I, I we we send him our um, all of our letters that we're sending to let him know what what we're doing. But um, I don't know that beyond that, Suzanne, we're really locked in with him. I think we might have a better chance of one of our one of the UK citizens teams <laughs> actually right. So I think we might actually have more chance of trying to get the attention of the problem jennifer now with andrew bridgen within the freedom space is that he's he splits opinion some people just don't trust him sure so these eight that they do that are speaking to you would they be willing to do some kind of event or town hall well that's kind of something that suzanne and i just actually were just talking about is how do we um, kind of trying to build a strategy about how how do we move this forward and how do we make more use of those MPs that at least recognise the dangers of these two documents. Who's speaking to them? Because ultimately they're going to know want to know what's in it for them. I mean, if we're just going to play, well, we we, to we're we're speaking to to them only in the sense that. Each time we do a letter, we we we've carved them out because these letters these letters go to every single MP, albeit some of them don't get them from their own constituent because we've got somebody who just makes sure it goes to everybody. And and actually, interestingly, we didn't used to get we've actually had we've actually had people MPs respond even though that person's not their constituent on this particular topic. Um, but so we what we do with those eight we carve them out from that. And we kind of draft a different covering letter because we don't we don't we want them to recognize that they've got our support but beyond that we're not really we're not really doing we're just finding our way really jennifer to be honest and it's just a few of us so we at the moment we're just trying to build a strategy that you know pushes the needle in our our favor um i never really thought about it one of the tactics with InnoTech with the events early on when we were trying to organize getting you know getting people to shine the light or take this seriously was to attract these politicians from all different parties um I, I mean we have to start with what we get right i had to go with who i knew immediately and then whoever could intro me beyond that but initially it was you know and obviously you know one of the main speakers at my events um but i did have you know lords you know from labor we had lived down we had just whoever was interested in this innovation tech entrepreneurship space and this is kind of where i'm thinking um and we can open it up the floor but if we can start with the eight, right, and really resonate with what they will gain out of this, the exposure, the viral, you know, engagement, the, you know, this is what the public, a very growing big part of the public is, is asking and demanding for and looking at 
sure it's not the majority, but look at the reasons why. Let's talk about the media. Let's talk about the censorship, the kind of blind eye, the misawareness. Yeah. Now let's let's motivate these guys to be the disciples, the spearheads, the people that speak out. Um, you know, in this space and understanding at least just the very, t you know, the pandemic, we can keep it simple on that one, or excuse me, the treaty, right? Yeah. So the town hall on the treaty itself that has the most factual, cannot dispute, you know, this isn't up for debate. This is what is written, you know, kind of conject, you know, points to discuss and let them lead the floor with you and your, you know, the, whoever in the truth mo movement can come. So again, we're breaking down barriers to kind of mend the audiences. Andrew might split the audience, but he is, you know, he is a mouthpiece right now and he is yeah. speaking out and he's speaking at big massive events. So we need, we need him more than we do the division, right? So I would yeah. just get as many as you can and then make them i mean because if anything andrew could also and, and and you know this is why people have their concerns you know andrew has gotten a lot of uh notoriety from this you know and so this is where the those eight you know can look at what happens when you speak out and you know sure there might be drawbacks but we're talking about one specific discussion on a pandemic you know or on, on this uh who treaty and this is why the the fear of this one world government the threat yeah of yeah super linear right and so this is the discussion we're going to have and we will you know address or acknowledge the other concerns that obviously come with that but that's those will be discussions we have later right now we really need to educate on the severity of this one specific treaty right and we start with them and if of the eight only two come right, or only one, then that's the one we go with. And we get as many other speakers as we can in that room. And whatever graphic or visual that we have, you know, that, that can we can either uh, email everybody so that they can have, you know, to share. But that's, I mean, that's one way to really, I, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling where I felt we could really make a difference, um, you know, kind of spearly or, you know, pushing legislation and gaining traction and spotlights on some of these, you know, on, on this topic. Great, it's a great. It is a fantastic idea. Yeah, I think if we can galvanize some, those MPs together, that's that would be fantastic. And we can just, you know, if the, if you guys are the ones that are speaking to them, say, look, we really need your attention here. Yeah. We really and just incentivize them with with what they get out of it by coming to this town hall, open discussion. No one needs to do anything except for just address the facts as they're written, right? You know, yeah. and we, um, and then and that's where I we one would hope these MPs speaking to other MPs can then bring a friend. And that's what happened at my events. Uh, it absolutely happened. And that that gained a certain kind of magnetics. You know, people were interested in the, you know, the specific discussions on specific things that we had, you know, and sometimes we had the various people. But the, but for what we're doing now, it is divisive. It is hot. But again, people really want to hear this and have this discussion so i guarantee if you had held if you got a venue and you know even if it 
you know, you could you could sell out, and then just that sellout of you know would would get a waiting list. You know, people would want to be a part of that. Yeah. Yep, it's a great idea. So let's open to the floor, and I I mean I I I if anybody has any questions, or I know there was a woman that had her hand up. I'm sorry, we didn't have it there. This discussion is really just to kind of address these concerns that are happening within these treaties. And, you know, as we've been talking about the all the areas, the sectors that they're kind of moving in, you know, using this excuse of COVID. Um, and I think people were hesitant, but now they're starting to gain traction. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for raising your hand. Well, hello there, everybody. This was a completely uh, serendipitous uh, uh moment in time where I just happened to connect with you guys. Um, I happened to look at my telegram and I happened to see that you were live and you happened to be talking about a subject that I know a great deal about. So um, I wanted to just share is really all I wanted to do. I live in the United States. Oh, please. Um, Sorry to keep you waiting. Thanks for being patient oh, with us. Uh, it's totally okay. I am um, I am semi-retired, and I was able to do that because of my uh, learning and education about cryptocurrencies. And you guys are started talking about a subject that I am passionate about and that I know a lot about, which are CBDCs, digital identities, etc. And um, I just wanted to share that you know I I'm an educator. I'm a crypto educator, investor, and expert in that field. And if there's anything I can do to help you guys better understand uh, what to look out for, um, how to recognize the good versus the bad, I'm more than happy to try to do that. Um, I do have a a Facebook group where I give tons of free information about crypto. Um, it's been up there for several years. Um, anyway, I just wanted to put that out there. Kelly, where are you in the U.S., like regionally? I, I live in the West Coast uh, in Oregon. Wow. So you must be surrounded by a lot of... Do people recognize what's happening with this kind of globalist infiltration? I live in a state that is very, very blue, so to speak. Um, which means that there's not a lot of awake people around here. Um, it's very, very frustrating. It's to the point where I kind of don't even want to live in my state, but, you know, I'm 63 years old and just retired two years ago. Um, and it's like, where do I want to go? So we stay here and no, I don't see the general public being very awake around here. Jane, has it changed in LA at all <laughs> since we last spoke? No. Oh, no, no. no. Well, I mean, I mean so, so that's not true, Jennifer, in the sense that, you know, you, you, you still see a few people wearing masks, unbelievably. Uh, so you will you will still see that. Um, but, you know, things are open. Um, no, I think that's the problem, Jennifer. I think most people think everything's okay now when we know it's not. But it's still, it's still yeah. incredible. It's still incredible. I mean, you know, some of the bills that are, going through here now with regard to children is just insane um you know, it's pride month at the moment so you can imagine what that's like in hollywood um so it's still incredibly woke but um most people think everything's back to normal yeah i, I find that uh, to be the case as well it's almost like they planned for that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now they have this treaty that they're signing yeah. i mean 
I find that people really kind of resonate with other people in the same room when they're able to ask questions and, you know, kind of engage and feel, you know, the integrity or, you know, kind of the presence of, of genuine, you know, where that's where I feel it makes the most impact. Yeah. Bring people together. So, I mean, we're going to have to work on ways and we can continue talking beyond this call, yeah. you know, as far as what you know, to do to continue to get people. Cause even on my threads, I, you know, I notice that there's just this expiry, this feeling of, you know, battle fatigue that continues on this wage where, <clears throat> you know, it, it just seems to get worse without yeah, getting that, better. Now I, I don't that, see that, but a lot people, of people do. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we talk about that as well at UK Citizen. And we all kind of go through that. We're just fortunate that um, Suzanne uses it. Isn't it you, Suzanne, that uses the duck analogy? Yeah? Where, you know, the book, sorry? You use the duck analogy, the flying ducks. Oh, yeah. You have to take turns at being at the front. Yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah. That's soon have a bad day. That is one of, my, one of my concerns. It's like the burnout of the people really at the forefront that are, I, mean, I don't mean people that are necessarily in the media, it's people at grassroots level that are really fighting. Um, that been, we've been doing it a long time, but I, for me, there's just no choice. No. We, just have to keep we don't going. have a choice. We just yeah. don't have a choice. No. I mean, there's nothing because... for me, nothing to lose because I don't want to live in that world. So we don't have a choice, and that's why we keep going. Yeah. Right. Even when it's hard. Even when you think it'd just be easier, I'll just, you know, it, it, you, there is, I think we've all gone through times when you, you know, you have a bad couple of days and you think it's all in for nothing or, you know, that we can't change the world. But I think over the past three years, we've seen that we absolutely can. And I think a lot of things didn't happen because of the power of the people, people who just said no, you know, every day. Every day, I think it's just the mass non-compliance, you know, pay with cash. You do one thing that's just pushing back against what they want. I just, just do it. That's, yeah. And that's, that's the empowerment because you're, you know, you're just not going along with their agenda. And I think that just, that then, that builds momentum with yourself and with other people as well. Yeah, I think there isn't much Sorry, my, go on. My very existence is going to be the definition of non-compliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, geez, I think this growth from the four to the eight MPs, you know, and even in the US, it's slow going as well. I mean, it works. It's a different animal over here. But where you guys are, you know, having been in that system, knowing exactly what it's like to, to push legislation, to build things, um, to a level, a critical mass of interest doesn't mean bodies, right? Like at the time, tech, there was only a you know a group of people within London that was really pushing this, but we were able to make great headway. And I think that this is coming to a point where people are not able to you know sustain living costs. You know this money that's the laundering that's happening. You know paying into the. I think the U.S. is one of the number one funders as well, you know, oh, so we're up there. Yep, definitely. Are we number one? Are we two? Or uh, I think you're uh, US, well, your voluntary contribution 
in 2020 to 2021 was third at 357 million but that's just voluntary contributions that doesn't include your assessed but yeah you're absolutely you're absolutely up up there for sure you know you the country that really pushed for the amendments you know, a lot of those amendments that were rejected from last year, where there's just the the one or the five actually that that are still in that are actually expire on till till November when you've got to reject them. So they were from last year. Uh, they started at about thirteen. They were they were primarily pushed by the US. So you're, you're definitely a, the US is definitely a driving force in this. Well, we would be considering, you know, and if we weren't be, you know, if we weren't, you guys probably would because that's our special relationship. Yeah. <laughs> You know how these things work. I mean, they just, they'll, they'll, you know, they're going to push this through because this was their plan. But I do believe in, you know, there is a lot of truth in, in the fact that Hillary didn't win. The plan was totally screwed up. And now, you know, we're seeing it rear its ugly face. But, you know, I've had calls with, you know, some really great patriots in the past that have, you know, openly said, look, guys, this is really important, and, and this is a lesson that none of us really want to learn, this learning curve of how to govern ourselves, because we can beg for freedom all day long, but then what are we going to do if we can't govern ourselves? And, you know, and, and, and that doesn't mean we need to set up an ex, you know, a government that exists like the one we know, but most of these people, that's all they do know. So to completely change the way things happen has to come internally, has to come from enough people not accepting the system we're in. And maybe we don't need the mass as far as 99% of everybody standing on the streets with their pitchforks. Maybe it's just that growing resilience that keeps getting squeakier every time. And this is what we are doing. And we have done really well. You know, and I want to make sure that this is said on this call that it is people like you two ladies, you know, these organizations that continue to push back you know, on the masks, on the mandates, on all this kind of stuff. So we have to keep that paper trail because that is that invisible pressure that comes back to them, you know, filling the servers, you know, having to infiltrate and wage, you know, or, or um, you know, go through each of these emails to choose to ignore. But then if you're continuing sending them at some point, the, there's going to be a light bulb moment. And every single one of these MPs is going to have to decide which side of history they'll stand on. Most, as we know, have flapped their way like seals through Westminster and have lost a lot of notoriety and, and you know, uh, real genuine respect because of the things they've been complicit on. You know, this is and this is where we have to continue to demand, uh, you know, complete uh, release draining of this of the swamp get rid of you know throw that trash in the bin you know it's done and we have to keep getting more vocal and in people's faces guys and the burnout is real we've had this on this channel i mean i've i've felt this you know feeling like i'm a million miles away i don't know when i'm going to be able to come back to the uk i've been invited to this really amazing event you know more stuff like what you girls are doing as far as speaking out at events and i think if i could be there and go to more of these events you know and encourage anybody who can do it is the energy that kind of connection that we make with one another that even if you're not consciously acknowledging it subconsciously does make your lift your spirit up you know it does even if you don't feel like you're doing anything just the fact that you're there you showed up and you're with other people that want the same things too 
um, this will have to take notice. There will be more people that will have to continue to speak out because we could say, let's just contact all the big speakers, right? Let's go to Neil Oliver, for example, on GB News. Um, he's already spoken about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it, it's, it's not his job to save the world. He does amazing monologues mm-hmm. to which really resonate with more and more people. And he's doing his bit, definitely. Um, people, you're absolutely right. It's people standing in their own power. And, the, the, you know, we don't need anywhere near 90%, but we we just... We, we need we, a we, significant we, minority, which I think we are. And I think... People like Neil Oliver inspire people to go and ask questions. I see him as some, you know, he is, I love listening to Neil Oliver and he's inspiring. And I think it's being inspired that will help people to boots on the ground, go and ask questions. Don't um, don't uh, comply with silly mandates, direct, you know, all of that. I think it's just more people doing more. Well, it's the momentum. Yeah. We firmly believe that if we can, most people, if they understood what was going on, would not be for it. I mean, it's crazy, Jennifer. We've got a freedom of information out at the moment. It should be back by now, actually, to find out precisely the number of statutes currently on the books in the UK, which we believe is about eight and a half million. <laughs> um, so it's just insane. So there's, yeah, we, we don't know what we don't know. And the reality is most of the people in the UK and I would say the US don't know about these two uh, international treaties that are currently under negotiation. And if they did, they would be standing by outside a portion of them anyway, I would have thought. Well, I find it very interesting, you know, that you have been able to increase your support, even just, you know, a tiny bit, just getting that momentum of, you know, 100% return you know like of, of starting for where with four and ending up with eight yeah. um you know this it's not again like you said in the perspective in the big picture of parliament it doesn't seem like a lot but it does make a huge difference you know just gaining that kind of momentum these men are they men are they women who are it, they oh no they're primarily men aren't they susan actually there's only, isn't there only one woman esther there's only esther yeah Yes, there's only one woman. There's, there's the Chris Bridgen, Esther McVeigh, Danny Kruger, Nick Davis, um, uh, Philip Davis, David Davis, yeah. Christopher Chope. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we, I mean, we just need to engage. Start with them, and then continue to do what you're doing, and we'll continue to share. Everybody right. listening. I mean. There are documents that, you know, UK Citizen put out, templates, you know, they go through the consultancy paper and break down a lot of the stuff on what it means and determine certain vernacular, etc. It is very much worth the time looking at and and sharing with people that you know, um, at least attempting to. I mean, just getting people to to at least recognize that this is something that is happening right now and we have to, you know, voice our concern and pushback. And the way we know how to do this, you know, without taking to the streets is by flooding these emails of these people that were elected to serve the public. Because this should be in the public's interest and there should be, you know, every news outlet covering it. What exactly is being discussed? How is this going to affect everyone? 
I mean, I think it's interesting they have these plans to take care of, take, get rid of mass transit um and and you know encourage it, it makes me think what new technology are they going to come out then to to ref, you know to uh make you know as a substitute right i mean i i just think there's no way that people are going to accept this but i guess we've been watching the boiling frog so yeah. let's see anyway um if there's anybody that wanted to add anything, now is your chance. Otherwise, we're going to probably wrap up this call. Um, I really appreciate, Suzanne and Jane, all the work that you do. Thank you for taking time to share it with us. We, um, Like I said, we, we will continue to post your work and, and, and share with everybody else. But if there's an event that we can come to, I think those are where people really get, you know, I don't know, make maybe a weekly meetup uh, or a monthly meetup in different cities where it's just beers at a pub where people can shake each other's hand and drink and, you know, talk about what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us, Jennifer. It's been... Thank you. It's been really good. And I hope it's helped people understand, particularly with the World Health Organization. Jane is an absolute home <laughs> on everything to do with the world health organization so um yeah that's really good thank you jennifer and thanks to everybody that's attended this live stream just really quick suzanne so we can have it on everybody's mind the you said the dogs or the the pets angle um and what was the other thing that you said that as far as really resonating with people because if we had a few topics like this that people knew to kind of start as opening conversation mm -hmm. start. It's the, fun, it's the funding, isn't it? It's the funding. And I think the whole One Health, um, the whole One Health idea and what that actually would mean. And I think Jane's idea of, of, of explaining what the plans are simply would focus people's minds, the pets. I'm going to Dan's going on holiday, so I'm actually going to take a couple of weeks away from kind of the day-to-day -day of UKC and just focus on trying to just drill down so that people can understand how the World Health Organization links to the UN, links to One Health. So see how it's in connect, interconnected and see how the, the scope of this document is beyond anything that we've ever witnessed before. It's literally would cover every living organism on the planet. So we'll produce some more um, kind of briefing documents, if, if you like, um, to try and just um, get to the, just to try and simplify the complexity of it and just explain One Health and that whole piece about the animals will come into, into that part. One Health, when do they want to start this? Well, it's already there. I mean, you'll see, you can see One, One Health, if you went on the World Health Organization website now, there's, there, it's, already, it's already up there. And you, we see it through lots and lots of documents. We've witnessed it in a lot of the documents that we've been reading outside of this treaty. But One Health is specifically referenced in this, in this, uh, in this treaty. Um, so it's, it's already, the infrastructure is already, already there for it. One of the committees that they would look to that would um, kind of uh, look after the compliance of the obviously the compliance of the treaty um, is 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 linked is linked to is linked to one health it was a panel of experts um, 
panel of experts to provide um, scientific advice and supposedly independent experts um, would be part of the conference of parties. That's directly, li directly linked to One Health and One Health is directly linked to the quadripartite organizations which are four organizations of the of the un so it's just tying everybody up in knots so we'll we'll try and just make sense of that for people and we'll, we'll do that over the next couple of weeks but that is that is where the, the the animal the animal piece remember one health is about an integrated unifying approach that aims to sustainably balance optimize the health of people animals and ecosystems so it's, I guess the takeaway is that it's it's not just this disagreement. One doesn't just um, isn't just relevant during pandemics. It's all the time between pandemics too, and isn't just about humans. It's about animals and the ecosystem, which is where the which is where you can see the link to the climate quote unquote crisis comes in. So they're all intertwined and interlocked. See, just that right there. That it's so much to take on, you yeah. know, and so that's where. I mean, we could sit and talk for another hour about all of that. I mean, I keep, you know, as far as specifically, but, you know, this is where we're losing, I guess, losing people, but I guess. Because it's too big, because people yeah. see that it's too big, yeah. which is why, we need, which is, which is why we need to, people need to understand what it means so that when they want to do something that would implement it, they are able to say no. Yeah. Because I think it, it is just that saying no for a lot of people. Who's voting on this? Um, well, it will be it will be at the World Health Assembly next. That, well, that's the goal. The goal is to present the um, the the IHRA document to be voted on, and then the. There'll be there'll be several drafts of this as a drafting team, but it'll be the member states ultimately next May. But you see, the thing for that again, it's about transparency, Jennifer, because we're we're just we're we're trying to in the in letter seventeen, we've asked the MP the question: Are the delegates this week the same as the delegates to the World Health Assembly? Because we haven't been able to work that out, and I'm sure it I'm sure it's there, but it, it's supposed to be transparent. It should be front and centre. You try and find this on our own government website; you're not going to find it. So we'll try and we, we'll try and simplify all of that for people. Like I said, we're going to create. We think it's worth it. Now we've got we've got that much information that we think it's worth kind of recreating going local pack for the World Health Organization. Um, it, it even could include a front end of um, how to navigate around the World Health Organization website because <laughs> even that's you know tricky. Because like I said before, you know it'll be ten links away from where you started. And you've got to remind yourself of what you're actually looking for. So we'll, we'll, we'll produce that over the next few weeks. Wow, Jane, thank you so much. Thank well, you. Lynn, really quickly, you have a question? Sorry, uh, it's not so much a question. What I want to throw into the equation here is that we're all talking about going towards a one world health organization government. Aren't we already there? And this is about rubber stamping it. So we really have to drill down and get into the people to stop this because I think the past three years showed us that every government signed up to the World Health Organization. They were in there. They were in there and it's it's all done and dusted. So yeah, how do we sorry just, I think you're right. I think just it just puts gives it a legal an international legal framework. 
it's quite yes. simple. Yeah. I agree with you. And I just wanted to make that point because we're all talking and I talk to a lot of people and you know sometimes when you're out walking the dog and what whatever and you talk to people more people are aware of what is going on but they're not online they're not kind of raising their voices but they are aware of it and there are more of us than what we think yeah Lynn the one world government it, that does come back to where we kind of started out when Jennifer said about the conspiratorial because um, we, we, I, don't, I don't think in Letter 17 we, we, we use that because I think that's where we can lose some people because, of course, in the document, it doesn't, it doesn't say one world government. Of course it doesn't. But we, we know that that's what it's about. But I, I we just try to take a little bit more of a gentle approach because we're really trying to um, reach the movable middle, as Suzanne refers to them. Um, so I think I once you start about one world government, you, unless it's people like or work like us, that's when you do kind of get the eyes rolling and you might get some kind of conspiratorial uh, response. And, and at the moment, I don't even think we can talk about that. We, we can just talk about what's written. It's bad enough without those words, what's written in that document. And we can actually point to people and say, look, if you, if you don't believe this article, read Article 23 that says this, read Article 24, um, and then gently bring them towards the, you know, this, this would just be um, putting a legal framework around what many of us already think is in place but not spoken of. Yeah, I do think the chemtrails have uh, woken up a lot of people lately because I've walked around for the past six, 12 months saying, just look up what the hell is going on up there. And people are really starting to notice that now. And once you bring in one little element, people start to question. Yeah. Yeah, once you know, you can't unknow. That's that's kind of the reason why yeah. people say, this role why i haven't got any choice now because i you know but but i just wanted to make that point that we are actually already in that one world government and it's how we get ourselves out of it mm -hmm. yeah that is a great but point. on that point we can do it all right well listen i think today was a great call it was awesome to connect with you guys uh lynn fantastic point there we are in that one world government you know, whether it's on a treaty or not, you know, the fact that all government wears in Kahoot the last three years and now they can turn on a printing machine and just think we can kick this can further down. Um, it, you know, this is all orchestrated, the climate, the health, passport. Uh, guys, we got to do everything we can now in this system, in this buildup, this transition. So if you have ideas, you know, after listening to this call, drop them in the thread, reach out to Suzanne or Jane at uh, Citizen UK, UK citizens, sorry. <laughs> and, uh, or, or drop them in the thread below and we can address them. But thank you again, ladies, for joining us. Keep us updated with your, uh, you know, updates on documents and we'll continue to share. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jennifer. And if I can help, your event let me know oh thank you we, we might well be doing that <laughs> oh, Jane, have a met fantastic yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> i'll let you know about the magic castle
Yeah, have a fantastic time at that magic castle. That's so exciting. Anyways, uh, I can't wait to hear it now with the lens that you go with. Um, all right. <laughs> fantastic call. I'll talk to you both soon. Thank, Thank you, everyone. Bye, Kaya. Bye. Bye.